Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the Fruited Plain. The phone number 877-973-7425. Very glad to have you with me today. And we need to talk about, man, I've been waiting to get here. We had to do what we got. In more important stuff, I realized, but this is the one I wanted to talk about. Glenn Youngkin is the governor of the state of Virginia. And, well, he has hired or placed, I should say, a diversity officer in charge of Virginia. The man's name is Martin Brown. Martin Brown is a black man, worked for the Heritage Foundation, worked for multiple Republican governors. And Martin D. Brown has declared the days of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the Virginia Military Institute dead. The Washington Post is crying. Let me just read you how they start this. Virginia's chief diversity officer was blunt. He took the stage Friday at Virginia Military Institute, a college embroiled in a tense debate over racism, sexism, and diversity reforms, and slammed the whole concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's take a moment right now to kill that cow. DEI is dead, he said. We're not going to bring that cow up anymore. It's dead. It was mandated by the General Assembly, but this governor has a different philosophy of civil discourse, civility, treating living the golden rule, right? Brown, a black Republican who's a former Heritage Foundation fellow and worked for two prior Republican governors, was the featured speaker at a mandatory annual inclusive excellence training for VMI's faculty and staff. VMI recorded the speech and made it available. The freewheeling talk, which Brown kicked off with <gasps> a prayer to Jesus and laced with mentions of our creator and God, angered some of the people who attended. Other colleges have had DEI embedded at their school for a long time, but at VMI, it's new and not fully supported by alumni and staff, said one professor who spoke on condition of anonymity for fear of retaliation. It's a place where you can stomp it out. Multiple people I spoke with afterwards were outraged. They were concerned about our students, our minority groups. How is this going to impact them? They're already struggling even with the current diversity push. <gasps> Brown's speech came at an especially sensitive time for VMI. The nation's oldest state-supported military college, its 1,500 students remain mostly white and male. Oh, boy, they're upset. Y'all, DEI programs exist for gender studies and African-American studies degrees, people from college to have jobs. Do you know one of the things that some of the DEI courses teach? That things like being on time, accountability, and showing your work are white supremacy. I forget the name of the guy who came up with this theory, but it's unsupported in any research, and yet it has taken off in DEI settings. Literally, the idea that being on time 
is white supremacy. The idea that you should have to show your work is white supremacy. The idea of objectivity is white supremacy. The idea of sounding coherent and using good grammar is white supremacy. The idea that you should do your best at all times in your job is white supremacy. That's that's one of the ideas being pushed by a lot of DEI curriculum. There, there's no backing of this. This is just some random PhD's opinion. And it took off as if, there, oh, there must be evidence-based for this. No, there's not. DEI is a scam. You look in every major corporation in America today, they're probably going to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative officer of some kind. You have the CEO, the COO, the CMO, the CIO, the CTO, and the CDO, the chief diversity officer of some kind. Sometimes it's in HR. Sometimes it's an HR person. But it's a scam. It's a way to employ unemployable, unhappy people with no sense of humor. And the chief diversity officer of Virginia, a black man, defies the standard stereotypes and norms of the diversity agenda. He doesn't support it. What what is his alternative? His alternative is the golden rule. What is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the golden rule. King James Version. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Notice, it's not don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated. Instead, it's an affirmative. You treat other people the way you want them to treat you. It doesn't matter if they reciprocate or not. You treat them the way you want to be treated. That's the golden rule. That's what he wants. Civility. Judging people by their character, not the color of their skin. What Martin Luther King Jr. said he wanted, that that was the gold standard for MLK. And the diversity, equity, inclusion people are upset about it. Why? Because if you actually fix the problem, they are out of jobs. It's the thing we don't talk about enough. It's the thing that should be talked about. If you if you solve the problem, if you were to see, you're never going to stamp out racism because racism is sin. It's not going to go away. But if you could, hypothetically, you get rid of all racism, those people don't have jobs. If you were to get rid of racism, who would write a check to Al Sharpton to fight racism? Where would Jesse Jackson go to get his money? Who would buy an Ibram Kendi book or a Nicole Hannah-Jones book if there was no racism in America? They profit by keeping the wounds festering. They profit by picking the scabs. You don't need a DEI officer if you don't have problems with diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
they have to keep the problems festering and create new problems to keep themselves employed. As opposed to just being decent to other people and treating people as you wish to be treated. It's all a scam. And more and more companies, by the way, are starting to realize they've been had by this. A growing number of companies are realizing it. Not enough, unfortunately. In Virginia, however, the left is particularly furious. They're mad at Glenn Youngkin for doing this. In, in Florida, they're mad at Ron DeSantis. Both governors are doing the same thing, getting rid of the diversity, equity, and inclusion nonsense. And by the way, notice it's, it's equity. It's not equality. They don't want equality. They don't want people to be treated equally. They want to give one group of people a preferential treatment based on their skin color, on the argument that they were given uh, unpreferential treatment in the past, and therefore it needs to be fixed. That that's that's where we're headed here. That's what they want. It's part of the larger scam. Good for Glenn Youngkin. Good for Martin Brown. This is something that other Republicans, I think, should lean on. Uh, you know, one of the big issues here in Virginia is that they, they went so far overboard, even at the local school level with DEI stuff during COVID, they were trying to find parents who were hiring tutors for their children. Do y'all remember this? I've talked about this before. During COVID, they locked down the schools. Some parents, they didn't want their kids to fall behind, so they hired tutors. And the DEI chiefs and local school systems argued that if you do this, poor kids can't do this. Poor kids are disproportionately non-white. Therefore, you're going to have an advantage over the the non-white kids, and that's bad. And so you should not, and your children should be discouraged from having tutors and getting ahead. And if you did this in some way, they want to try to punish you. And what was happening was the parents who could afford the tutors were inviting over for class the kids whose parents could not afford the tutors and were themselves doing unto others as they would want done to themselves. They were inviting over the poor kids in class who couldn't afford the tutors, and the tutors were teaching the kids in homes like home study, homeschooling, and the Board of Education was furious. The diversity officers were enraged. How dare you? And all the parents were doing was ensuring all the kids got a good education. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a scam to keep otherwise unhirable people unemployed, employed. It's like the feminist movement attempts to guilt men into giving ugly women dates. It's kind of the same process. Got to, got to find a way to, to make it. Did I just say that? My Channeling my inner Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You all know what I mean. It, it really is something here. The, 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 the DEI experts out there, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? Pawnee Saw Tech? What was your degree in? Women and Queer Theory Studies? How are you going to get a job? Well, I got my Ph.D. In, in women and gender studies and queer theory. So how are you employable? 
Well, I got a DEI job at a corporation. Oh, that makes sense now. How are your student loans? Well, I'm just going to default let Joe Biden pay them. I mean, you see where this thing heads. It's just a train wreck. Good for Glenn Youngkin standing up against the nonsense. Hello there, America. Welcome. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I'm going to go take a phone call here from Susan. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I wanted to bring up something that um, you've heard the term cultural appropriation, yes. right? And um, as I recall, a couple of years ago, it was probably 2020 or 2021, I think, um, the singer Adele, she went to a, it was like a, a Jamaican festival in London somewhere. And she wore, yes, and she wore like a Jamaican, um, I think she had a swimsuit or some kind of Jamaican stuff on and some feathers and stuff. And boy, oh boy, did she get raked over the coals for cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. And, and And actually a lot of people who, or were in Jamaica itself, defended her on it. Um, but I don't see why, and I have started seeing this pop up in comments I've been reading on a lot of the trans stories um, and uh, men who are, you know, um, identifying as women. And I started to see the, the um, term gender appropriation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great term and, and to throw at these people because that's what they're doing. It is. So you're not allowed to appropriate culture. It's it's considered bad, but if you want to appropriate someone's gender, and you know you're not allowed to appropriate sure. race either. Rachel Dolezal, of course, got in trouble for claiming to be a black woman, lost her job, driven from polite society. But if you want to appropriate a woman's gender, well, you know what? Have at it. Society will let you. That's why there's a deep inconsistency in the insanity, which is one of the reasons we should be able to recognize just how insane it actually is. Uh, this sort of stuff doesn't really quite make any sense. And yet they try to paper over it. Like, for example, LGBT. Does the B not expressly embrace the idea of a gender binary? And I had someone try to explain to me, well, but uh, it expresses the binary between people who identify as binary, but there's a non-binary category of people to which it doesn't apply, which is why you have the other letters there, the T, P, I, A, A, whatever in the alphabet gang. Really? I mean, you people, you've now got like your catechism involved in this. It it becomes a deeply religious exercise in trying to keep it all consistent. And yet, if Rachel Dozal wishes to identify as black, you won't let her do that. You will not let her do that. What is the difference? What is the difference? You You gotta come up with some convoluted explanation to say there's a difference. A bunch of men appropriating women's gender uh, is is nonsense, and yet why are they allowed to hijack the feminist movement? I don't know. It just it, it's it's weird times. All right, when we come back, uh, we we got a governor on a world tour. 
He's been in uh, Japan, South Korea, headed to Israel, Ron DeSantis. The, the Trump team trying to rough him up before he gets in. Word is coming from NBC News. DeSantis has picked a date when to announce. Uh, they have resolved the legal issues over whether or not he has to step aside. He does not. Uh, forming an exploratory committee. But wait, there is more. The setting, the narrative. I actually want to talk about the narrative. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Trump v. DeSantis v. Haley v. Pence. I want to spend a little bit of time on the narrative shaping and combating the narrative and this obsession by by everybody really over what does or does not DeSantis do. Before I get to any of that, though, I want to remind you that if you're interested in upgrading your PC, you really should reach out to Vision Computers nationwide. Reach out to them, visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. They got an 800 number, but wherever you are in your cell phone, just call them, 404-COMPUTE. Yeah, they're local to me here in Atlanta, but they can build and ship wherever you are nationwide. And the great thing about them is you get uh, fantastic customer service and tech support. You're on hold for no more than 15 seconds. They answer calls. They return calls back. They have really decided, they've made a conscious effort in the last 30 years to set themselves apart with their tech support. So if you have email trouble, printer trouble, you name it, they'll help you. Not only will they help you, though, in many cases, you don't have to bring your computer to them if you have a problem. All you do is call them and they can remote into your computer in most cases and fix the problems, whether you need email setup, navigating Windows options, upgrades, software upgrades, things like that. So anywhere nationwide, they can help you without you having to be physically present. But also, they'll build you a PC. So you don't go buy just generic PC off the shelf at your local uh, big box store. You call them, they talk to you, spend time with them on what you really need, what you really want, make it upgrade-proof. They'll build it for you and send it to you and get you set up and then service it. Now, if you don't have Vision computers and you want their tech support, just pay them annual fee and they will be your tech support. Call them, 404-COMPUTE, 404-COMPUTE or visioncomputers.com. Good gracious, I didn't realize today is the 201st birthday of Ulysses S. Grant. Ah. Interesting. All right. Shall we move on to other things? I'd like to take this phone call first. 877-973-7425. Cindy, thanks for being patient. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you so much for taking my call. I love your program every single day and your podcast. Thank you. Um, No, I just have a comment and a question. I know you talked about this a couple weeks ago about people that having better credit, paying extra for the people that don't, isn't that going, isn't that a, can they constitutionally do that? And isn't it going to make the downturn quicker to be like 2008, 2009? Oh, yes. Uh, okay. So on both points, um, first of all, I, I got to say, uh, I feel like I penalized myself a little bit on this because I talked about it last week when it happened, and I've had several people email in the last couple of days say, why haven't you talked about this issue? I was like, I did, I promise, last week, even wrote about it. Um, so for those who don't know what Cindy is talking about, uh, the Biden administration, federal housing program, has essentially decided to penalize people who have a credit score of 680 or higher. You will have additional fees placed on your mortgages such that um, for a $400,000 mortgage, your mortgage will go up $40 a month. And that $40 a month fee will go into a fund 
that will then help subsidize. I'm sorry, four hundred dollars a month. Four hundred dollars a month, um, and that so that four hundred dollars a month works out to what uh, forty eight hundred dollars a year extra in fees from the federal government. That money will go into an account that is then used to subsidize people with bad credit, so that they too can get mortgages. I wish I were making that up. I'm not making that up. Um, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sad that they've decided to penalize the people who worked hard to get good credit. The reason they say they're doing this is, of course, they believe it's equity. Remember, equality is making everyone equal. What equity, according to the left, is is, is communism that it's not enough to level the playing field, that some people then need to be elevated from their position because of the historic discrimination against them. So they use a picture, and they show a picture of three people who are watching a baseball game behind a fence. And the white kid is tall and gets a stool as well, the black kid is short, can't see over the fence. Got another kid there who doesn't need the stool, looks Asian, can see over the fence. Equity is everybody is given a stool. So the white kid has his stool to look over the fence. The black kid has a stool of the same height, but is still too short to see over the fence. And the Asian kid has a stool, doesn't need it, but can see a little better. But that's equality. Everybody's given the same height stool. Where equity comes in is the white kid gets his stool. And the black kid is given a very tall stool so that his head is now as high above the fence as the white kid and the Asian kid. And that's equity. So still giving you a leg up in some way, giving you something the others don't have to put you in supposedly an actually equal position. What they're trying, they believe that the housing system, the mortgage system, the credit system in the country has been historically discriminatory. Therefore, those of you with good credit have benefited from the systemic discrimination and you will now be forced to pay uh, a lot of money extra per month in your mortgage in order to give it to people who don't qualify. To Cindy's point, that's going to cause another housing crisis. That's going to cause a situation where people who have bad credit buy houses and default on the loans and go under and cause another housing crisis like we had in 2008, 2009. Listen, there are a lot of reasons a lot of people have bad credit. The number one reason is they took out too much credit, credit cards and the like, and have struggled to pay them back on time. I actually impacted negatively my credit rating last week. I paid off a credit card. The whole system to me, frankly, is perverse. And what's notable is the Biden administration isn't trying to change the system. They're trying to just give people a leg up into the system where you can give them so much rope they hang themselves. That's a problem. I personally find it very bizarre. So uh, Philip works for me, way better at managing money than I am, uh, is, has done the whole Dave Ramsey thing, I think, uh, and has never had a credit card, didn't get a credit card. If he wanted something, he saved the money and bought it. Didn't go into debt like I did. Guess what? 
I was able to buy a house and get a mortgage, and he couldn't. Why? Because they had no benchmark with which to measure his credit worthiness because he had no credit. He had no loan. He's paid for everything in cash. I find that so stupid that to get credit, you've got to go into debt. It, it just It's so stupid to me. So someone who always saves their money and buys what they want without putting it on credit, without getting a credit card, without having to do this, uh, their credit's terrible despite being the most fiscally responsible people. Shut up, Philip. I'm not actually praising you. <laughs> Shut up. Nope, not going to hear it. But, I mean, for real, though, he wound up getting a credit card tied to a bank account, so it still wasn't really a credit card, but it could help him build up his, his credit rate. It was so stupid to me. So stupid. I, for the longest time, struggled. Kids, listen to me. I know some of you are in your car right now with your parents. You're going to go to college, and they're going to offer you a credit card. Do not take it. Do not seek the treasure. Do not seek the treasure. If you've ever seen uh, Whatchamadiggy, um, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Do not seek the treasure. Gopher? Don't seek the treasure. Don't get the credit card. Do not get the credit card. It will ruin you. As someone who got the credit card, do not get the credit card. Took me forever to pay off that credit card. Don't do it. You think you're fiscally responsible. I assumed I was fiscally responsible. Lord, we've turned into the Dave Ramsey show. (laughs) Where's Clark Howard? He'll come tell you. Don't get it, kids. Don't do it, though, seriously. But the whole credit system is a bit of a perverse system, and we're all hijacked to the number. Now, I will tell you, I've worked very hard to get my credit very, very good. My credit is exceedingly high, like upper end of the 700s at worst, although I dinged myself by paying off in full a credit card the other day, which was kind of absurd. But... The idea that we're going to penalize people with good credit, I worked very, very hard over, and I used to have very bad credit. When I got out of college, I was not making a lot of money, had a lot of credit card debt, a lot of student loan debt, had to put my student loans in forbearance more than once because we really could not make ends meet. But over time, was able to pay things off, was able to make regular payments, pay balances off in full every month. I had one credit card left. I had a very big balance on everything else I pay off every month. This one finally able to pay it off, save money, paid it off. And it is bizarre to me the ways in which you get penalized with with credit agencies. And I understand the desire to help people, but I just don't really think you're helping someone by penalizing those who work hard to get good credit so that those with bad credit can be helped in a way that might actually put them in a financially risky proposition. But that's what they did. Now, is it constitutional? That was the other thing uh, she asked, uh, Cindy asked. And uh, yes, it's constitutional. Why? Because the federal government, uh, or I would say it's constitutional, although hopefully some good conservative judge will pull something out of his hat and say it's not. But the the federal government, the Congress, has allowed the housing authority to place fees – in order to help the needy buy housing. And I think Biden is essentially hiding under that provision that allows this. It's a terrible idea, though. My goodness gracious. It is a terrible idea. All right. Now, let me just talk very briefly about this circumstance. NBC is announcing Ron DeSantis will form his exploratory committee in in May. He probably should have done it in March, but he's doing it in May. I just, I noticed something. Um, 
this morning. So there's there's the story of John Katsimatzis, who is a – I should speak very highly of him. I'd like to be on his radio station. He owns WABC in New York. Uh, he's a, a bajillionaire rush, uh, grocery store magnate who has gotten into radio, conservative talk radio, ran for governor at one point. And he says he's not back in DeSantis because DeSantis would never return his phone calls. But Katsimatzis has always been a Trump guy. And this is the thing that I think uh, where DeSantis has hurt himself to a degree is that because no one on his team talks to the press, is authorized to talk to the press, no one even leaks to the press, uh, the press has relied on outsiders to shape their narratives about DeSantis. And the Trump campaign has then played into those narratives. So one of the narratives formed by a lot of people who got fired by DeSantis early on is that he's not a – essentially they say he's on the spectrum. And so the the media narrative was, well, this guy's kind of Aspergersy. He doesn't. He's not real good with people. He doesn't like to be with people. He gets in a room and stands off by himself and stares at his phone instead of talking. I am the same way. I'm not on the spectrum, but I'm the same way. I don't like people. People are stupid. So now the Trump campaign, they've tried it out. Oh yeah, I was at this event and DeSantis would talk to people, stared at his phone the whole time. And then the other one was he doesn't like to hang out with the donors. Well, who likes to hang out with donors? I mean, these people think they can write you a check and you got to do whatever they want. You don't want to hang out with them. DeSantis doesn't like to hang out with them. So now they go, well, I'm not giving him money. He wouldn't He wouldn't kowtow to me, so I'm not giving him any money. They're playing into these narratives. Now, DeSantis, when he comes out, all he's got to do, all DeSantis has to do when he comes out and formally announces is he's got to actually hang out with people and look sociable. His wife is a gym when it comes to this. But the media narratives are, are being defined, and in fact, DeSantis has gone down to the polling. He could very easily bump back up in the polling by running counter to the media narratives, and they'll never say they were wrong or they were misled or they were duped. They'll just say, well, he's running hard to counter the stereotype, and they'll have to give him some credit for doing that. And he can blow it out of the water. When the man announces, if he shows up with a lot of money, people are going to take him seriously. I do kind of feel bad, though, for the Tim Scotts of the world and even the Asa Hutchinsons and the Nikki Haley's of the world. They're trying very hard to stand out. They're trying very hard to be different. They're trying very hard to get their campaign attractions. And all the media, and I admit myself included here on this program, is so interested in the Trump-DeSantis dynamic, the other candidates are being thought of as afterthoughts. I I actually spent Sunday uh, with Mike Pence at Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. His team asked if I would come. I sat right behind him. We had a very good conversation. A uh, man loves my wife. Uh, my goodness gracious, he and, and my wife want to ride Harleys together. Uh, and that's all they want to talk about is motorcycles. He gave his testimony at Church of the Apostles. I, he has not declared whether he's running or not. And I some days I think he will, and some days I think he won't. But given his background, he should be a leading contender of the GOP. But he unfortunately has a hurdle no other candidate has. Because he was Donald Trump's vice president and Donald Trump is running, the question becomes, why you, Mike, instead of Trump? He's running again. Why you instead of your boss? And he's going to have to have an answer for that. He will. I assume if he runs, he'll get that answer. But I'm not 100% sure, frankly, that um, he's going to be able to draw in the hearts and minds of people who are Trump or not Trump. Because if you're not Trump, you're kind of not on the Trump team at all, and Pence had been there. And if you're for Trump, well, then you're not going to go with someone who worked for Trump, and that includes Haley. 
So it does become naturally this dynamic of, of Trump versus DeSantis for now. We'll see how that plays out over time, uh, and we'll see what the polling does. But until DeSantis formally announces, I, I really can't really buy into these polls that show Trump with a dominant position against a non-candidate. Make him a candidate, see how much he raises, and we're off to the races. Speaking of money, you know, your kids aren't taught financial management skills or financial literacy in school. China starts kids on financial literacy in preschool. I had no idea. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help their kids who love to learn about finance. Uh, thanks to The Sensibles and BeSensibleSmart.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes. They help kids age 6 through 12. Develop smart money habits in a fun way, engaging way. BeSensibleSmart.com was created to channel the media, multimedia resources to kids everywhere. And it's sent, C-E-N-T. So it's the word B, B-E. Sensible, C-E-N-T-S-A-B-L-E. Sensible, C-E-N-T-S-A-B-L-E. Da, uh, smart.com. So BeSensibleSmart.com. It was created to channel these resources to kids. You can buy a subscription for your loved ones. Each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with entertaining DVD, comic books, activities. Digital subscriptions are available. You'll get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, so much more. And if you want 20% off a monthly subscription, go to BeSensibleSmart.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. It is Sense, C-E-N-T, Sensible. It's the sensible thing to do. So subscribe today at BeSensibleSmart.com. Use ERIC as your promo code. Start your children early on financial literacy. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. So there's a story that struck me in the Washington Post. Chess has become all the rage in middle school these days. Uh, Jeffrey Otterby is a middle school teacher in Illinois. He's facing an epidemic of student distraction when his seventh graders are supposed to be learning social studies. They're glued to their school-issued Chromebooks playing chess. I guess I'm happier they're playing chess rather than some shoot 'em up game. I love it. I just wish they'd do it at a different time. Why are they allowed to do that in class time? Why are they using these tablets? Y'all, can, can I just say, as, as a parent, I am greatly concerned about so many schools moving away from paper to screens. It has nothing to do with being an old fuddy-duddy. There actually is a lot of science about... Uh, books are less distracting than screens when it comes to studying. And the tactile for kids with ADHD, the tactile ability to hold onto the page, to move their fingers across the page in ways that would smudge screens, uh, it, it helps them. I realize that it's cheaper to get the screen and the books can add up over time and become expensive and it's heavy for the kids and they become hunchbacks to Notre Dame when they're, they're carrying their, their backpacks. I get all that, but but books are better, and the kids can't figure out a way around the security protocols to play chess together while they're supposed to be studying social studies. At the same time, chess has taken off. My 14-year-old has been playing chess since he was in third grade, and he loves it. He will he, When he was in fifth and sixth grade, he thought the greatest thing was being able to beat a high school kid at chess, and he could regularly, and he goes to the chess tournaments, and he set out the semester because he wanted to play soccer, but he's really into chess. When he was really little, I would play with him and ruthlessly beat him because I hate chess. I despise chess. My son loves it. My wife will play with him. I would ruthlessly beat him as a kid, so he stopped asking me to play chess. He's now at the point where he could mop the floor with me. 
My wife actually had to go get chess strategy books and learn to play so she could be competitive against him. I don't have enough time. I got this thing called show prep. It's an ongoing process through the day. I am not going to read a chess book, nerds. I'm not going to do it. My wife, however, is a nerd and was willing to read the chess book. So really, because she's a hyper competitive person, I'm not as competitive as anyone else in my family. My wife got so frustrated with the kid beating her at chess, she started studying chess so she could kick his butt. It's good that it's taken off, though, actually. Um, it gives me hope for our future. But again, I go back to the, the tablet thing. The, the teacher is concerned because the kids are playing chess in class. Yes, he's right. At least it's not a first-person shooter game in class. But they're supposed to be in social studies, and this is the problem with the tablets. It allows the kids to goof off in a way they shouldn't be allowed to goof off on. And I did that. I used to take my laptop to school when I was in college, and I would, like, get bored and play video games too. But I was in college. I wasn't in middle school. There's a big difference there. I had some more level of responsibility here. But at least they're playing chess. I always like checkers better. It's easier. I don't like to think when I'm playing a game. Give me Uno. I would much rather play Uno. You guys have a great day. I will talk to you all tomorrow.